Welcome to Under the Radar, a show about independent iOS app development. I'm Marco Arment. And I'm David Smith. Under the Radar is never longer than 30 minutes, so let's get started. So, you getting finished your uh, SharePlay implementation? <laughs> oh, God. I'm so glad that this, uh, this this summer I did not. I, one, of, one of my topics I did write down, which I did really see, was that um, you know, I had a couple of ideas for Sheaf SharePlay things, because that seemed like the big, hot new feature in iOS 15. Um, and I, you're making reference, in case anyone hasn't noticed, I did, isn't listening to this, who knows this, Apple just announced that SharePlay won't be shipping with iOS 15, um, at least in the, first, the initial version. So I'm very relieved that I decided to shelve those projects uh, for the future, because it seems like that is um, not coming anytime soon, is my, is, would be my, my inkling. Though I will say it is probably a sign that the beta that they just released, I think it's beta 6, it's probably getting very close to the release candidate, um, both in terms of where we are, you know, we're recording this in the middle of August. Um, and so it's probably close to final. And it also, when the fact that this is when they announced that they're sort of punting that out into a subsequent release makes me think this is pretty much the release candidate um, or very close to it that we're getting to now where they're saying this is what it is. And so it's probably getting close to the time to, you know, like Apple internally is sort of locking things down. And so it's probably just a good reinforcement for us that if if it doesn't work in uh, beta six, it probably won't be working on day one. So just be aware of that. Yeah, I would expect the same thing. This is this is almost certain. Like the, the, you know, the, they revert a lot of the Safari uh, UI changes. Um, you know, g- gave people all the preferences they wanted to make that more palatable to everybody. Uh, so yeah, it definitely does seem like this is all right. We're getting down to the wire here. This is going to be you know they're probably feature complete now. It's probably just you know significant bugs only being fixed from this point forward until release. So if your pet bug has not been fixed, maybe don't get your hopes up on that one. Yes, which is is a, an excellent segue into our topic for today, uh, because there is a, I, I suppose it's a bug. It's it's not necessarily a bug, but it is a um, an implementation problem that I've been having with iOS 15 that um, I think at this point I don't I don't expect to be able to work around in a clean way. And so, but it created an interesting situation that I think is the actual topic, um, and and that is in iOS 15 they introduced on the iPad a new extra large widget size. Um, so as you would expect, I, as someone who does a lot with widgets, I wanted to go and implement and support this for the iPad on iOS 15. Um, and it's turned out like the actual implementation of that was great. It was straightforward. It works very much like the other widget sizes. It's just larger. So that from a technical perspective, the actual implementation was straightforward. Where things got strange and a bit complicated for me, however, is for each of the widgets that you provide in your in your app's widget extension, you have to say what sizes of widget it supports. And so the way WidgetSmith is structured is, you know, there's the small widget that supports the small size, the medium widget that supports the medium size, the large widget that supports the large size. Um, And so I expected, well, just add an extra large one um, for the extra large case. Um, And then you configure and choose which of your widgets you want inside of that using the intent configuration process. But um, and so what I do there is I just say that I added a widget that only supports the extra large size. And when I run this on iOS 15, it does what you would expect on the iPad. Um, it shows up at the, you know, shows up in the list in the widget configurator gallery. Um, and on the iPhone, it doesn't appear because the iPhone doesn't support the extra large size. Great. This is all sort of as expected. And I went, you know, working on this feature, you know, using the iOS 15 SDK and it was all going great until, I then went back to iOS 14 and tried running that same sort of the code that I'd written for this. And in that case, um, I, if you're running iOS 14, 
you there is no supported sizes that um, I, I can provide because um, iOS 14 doesn't know what I, what the extra large size is, so I can't provide it. Um, and so the best I could do is pr- to provide an empty list that says it supports no sizes, um, which I would thought would make it just sort of hide on that one. And it's the way that widgets are configured. I have to provide something. I can't provide. Uh, I can't sort of hide it on iOS 14. I have to provide something. Just there's a weird, the way, weird syntax for the way widget builders work um, that you you can't have it be variable. There's you can't put like an if statement inside your widget builder. It just has to um, be static, but and common across all the different types. As far as I can tell, if, you, if someone knows a solution to this, part of why I'm mentioning it is I would love to know. Um, but what it means is, unfortunately, on iOS 14, who is going to know more about widget sizes and widget creation than you? Uh, probably someone at Apple, I suppose. So, <laughs> if I mean, that. that would be my only hope. <laughs> um, but I mean, yeah, anyway. Um, yeah, anyway, yes. So it turns out, though, if you do that on iOS 14 and you say, say that a widget supports no widgets, um, the entire sort of widget system falls down and none of your widgets show up at all. Which is <laughs> oh, God. awkward. Yeah. Um, so um, I'm left in kind of this awkward place where I have this feature that I want to add, but in adding it, it sort of creates this weird separation and issues for myself with a subset of my users. And specifically, it's with the users running iOS 14. Because people running iOS 15, they get the great experience. It should be as expected. Uh, But if you're running iOS 14, like right now, the best I can do is I can put a another widget size in there. Say I say it supports extra large and large, say. Um, And so on iOS 14, it would, or on iOS 14, I'll just provide large. Um, yeah, I wouldn't provide them together. Sorry, I misspoke. And provide iOS, on iOS 14, I'd say it supports large. And on iOS 15, I'd support extra large. And then on iOS 14, there'd be this entry at the end of the list that um, doesn't actually do anything because there is no extra large. And so I need to probably have like a message in there that just says like, widget not supported on your device or something like that, um, which is confusing and inelegant and problematic in, in a lot of ways. And I've really been struggling with this 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 week because, on the one hand, I kind of want to make sure that I'm a good you know sort of platform citizen that I'm adopting the new technology um, as it comes out, but at the same time, it creates this weird problem. And I suspect for a substantial amount of time, you know, iOS 14 will be the dominant platform that the app is run on, um, probably at least until the end of the year, I would guess. Um, and so. It's kind of a tricky place that I don't want to necessarily make the experience worse or more confusing or problematic for people in iOS 14, but I also want to take advantage of this feature in iOS 15. And so I'm kind of stuck in, 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 in some ways. And it's just this weird tension between wanting to benefit a relatively small group of users that I don't I mean the iPad is not a particularly widely used platform for Widgetsmith, which is largely, I think, because widgets on the iPad and iOS 14 were kind of awful. Um, you can only put them in the... <laughs> The, in the today view, you can't put them on your home screen. And there was a lot of problems with that. And it's just fair enough. That was where Apple, Apple went. They're amazing in iOS 15. I love having them on my home screen there. Um, I think they actually look really cool. And the way that they've sort of deal with portrait rotation layouts and stuff is very clever. Like, it's awesome. But um, I, I wonder if it'll, you know, if not having extra large on iOS 15 will cause me, you know, would be a problem or a disappointment to people. Um, but yeah. So anyway, that's the, the the struggle that I'm dealing with, and then I have another one that sort of similarly we'll talk about um, later in the show, where these is these situations where it's really awkward to have two different user case use, use use cases that you're trying to sort of deal with or make balance between, and you know, sort of benefiting one user at the expense of the other is which is never great. 
Yeah, I think, you know, in, in this case, you know, so often with iOS development, we're able to, you know, basically conditionally include or conditionally alter what's being shown on different devices or different OS versions or, or whatever else. And so to have this area where you can't do that, like this is a very you know unusual kind of problem to have on iOS. Um, but I, I think the, you know, what you said towards the end there, uh, I think kind of gives you your answer. Widgets on the iPad are going to be a pretty small market for a while because it's going to only go up really with iOS 15's adoption. And widgets on the iPad in general are probably less, you know, less of a percentage of your user base simply because there are fewer iPad users than iPhone users by, by a good margin. So like there's both of these factors are, are going to make this a pretty rarely used feature in addition to it only being supported on 15 and above. And so you got to wait till that adoption. So like it wouldn't surprise me if the number of people who actually try to use WidgetSmith to make an XL size widget on their iPad is extremely small for a long time. And so therefore, I would if it were me, I would just not support that size at all because its presence in your list of supported sizes will make the experience worse for everyone else who's not on an iPad or or I guess you can you can conditionally include it out for iPhones, right? No, it'll show. Oh, or on iOS fourteen, it would show need to show for everybody. That's right. Okay, so, <laughs> okay, so you're so you're basically you're running the risk of making an awkward experience for you know probably well over ninety percent of your user base, uh, you know for a, for a while, in order to provide a a new size to iPad users uh, that's only available on the latest OS, and it's only you know the biggest size. So even then, it's like you're really I think you're appealing to a pretty small group with that. Uh, and so if you could do it without making things weird or worse for everyone else, sure, go ahead and do it. But because you can't, I don't think it's worth including that at all. And, and I would say don't include it until maybe iOS 15 has you know very high adoption. Yeah, I think that is the, 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 the unfortunate reality. And I feel weird doing it, though. Like I'm like Mr. Day One. Like this is what I do is, you know, a new new big iOS feature comes out and I'm like there on day one making sure I'm, you know, adopting it as soon as I can. I mean, that's the whole in some reason why Widgetsmith exists and did well is that it was there on day one. And it feels strange that, you know, this big new thing, this, one of the significant features for the fall. I mean, I would say this fall, the way it's shaping up, there are relatively new uh, new develop relatively few new developer features in iOS 15, um, and one of them was like you know this this new widget size on uh, on the iPad. But it is kind of weird to not do it. But I think you're right, and that was ultimately I think where I'm heading is I'm going to see like obviously it, the app is still better on iOS 15 for the iPad because now widgets can go on your home screen and you can have small, medium, and large, just like you could before, um, and that you know I can put it out into the world with good support for those, making sure that I'm like, I've been going through and optimizing the app for the iPad in a way that I didn't really before because it was such a small sort of proportion of the user base. And so it worked because it's just like a Swift UI app and it works reasonably well when you just kind of like blow it up onto an iPad, but I hadn't optimized it. I hadn't worked around, you know, making sure that it looks reasonable and then, you know, doing the things where I do a split view and I drag the divider back and forth and I make sure everything resizes reasonably and all of those types of constraints. Um, and in, I think that's likely what I'm going to do is I'll do that and I'll see what happens as a result. And you know, if the iPad adoption zooms up and I'm getting a lot of attention for that or hearing from a lot of people that they wish it supported the extra large, like I might go ahead and add it or 
if somehow, as you know, I hear from somebody or Apple comes up with a way for me to to do this, then that would be great. Unfortunately, it probably would mean that it would need to be fixed in iOS 14 because iOS 14 is where I'm having the biggest problem with this. And so um, that seems far less likely and even more problematic because, you know, if it's fixed in iOS 14.7.2 or uh, something like that, it's it, the adoption of that is going to be much slower, I would expect, than the iOS uh, 15 adoption, which is, you know, has a little bit more of a push behind it usually. And what's interesting, I mean, this is like, this is a great time to be targeting iOS 14. <laughs> because, yeah. like, I, uh, a couple weeks ago, I had to issue a kind of an emergency update to Overcast because there was something wrong with the way I was parsing MP3s when there were like null, a whole series of null bytes inserted into the middle of them. Uh, and a major dynamic ad insertion platform started doing that. <laughs> and so I had some issues. <laughs> and so I kind of had to issue this emergency fix. And my my main branch, I was in the middle of migrating everything over to requiring iOS 14. And just the way it was, I mean, yeah, I could have, like, stepped back to a previous commit, branched off of that, issued the emergency update to that. But I'm like, you know what? It's I don't want to do all that. It's time. It's close enough. So I just took my main branch at the time, which was iOS 14 requiring. And so as part of this emergency bug fix update, I also raised my deployment target to iOS 14 from iOS 13. Oh, wow. And I, and I kind of thought that was going to be a minor risk. And I have heard from literally zero people about it. I've never raised the bar and heard from zero people before. And in this case, I did. Like, I, I switched from requiring 12 to 13 uh, a few months back now. That, that was a while ago now. Um, and that I heard from a few people because that was actually losing some devices in, in the support list. Um, but 13 to 14 and also 14 to 15 don't lose any devices. And so... Uh, it's fantastic that I was able to just bump it up to 14 and, and literally I, it's like, I, it's like I, got a, I got a free gift. Like now I can use all the 14 yeah. stuff and not even think about it. Um, so, you know, <laughs> I think maybe it's worth like reveling in the fact that we can now use everything from last year for, for most or many of our apps. But iOS 14 is going to be here for a while. And probably next year you can assume 15 and, you know, next year we can start using async await and all, you know, all that stuff, um, you know, all the new Swift UI stuff in, in 15 and everything. But, um, you know, so but it, it's a great place to be to be, you know, in, a, in to be optimized for iOS 14 because you get a whole bunch of great stuff. As you mentioned, 15 doesn't have a ton of new developer features with the big exception of async await. Uh, but assuming you're running on 14 for the foreseeable future is a totally safe and reasonable you know assumption to make and it's it's a good place to be for you know what you can do with your app which apis you can use etc um, and then just kind of pretend like 15 doesn't exist for a little while yeah and i think that's that's reasonable i think that's what i'll ultimately uh, be doing and it's just like i said it's a strange feeling to to be like you know it, it's going to be whenever day one of ios 15 is it's like i'll, I'll have an update for it you know it's, it's, but the strange thing is i can actually probably ship that update um now uh, like ahead of time i'm not particularly tied to 15 because i'm not taking advantage of specific features like making the, the the ipad version of the app better um is just as much better on ios 14 as it is on 15 and so it's like i can do my ios 15 updates in some ways whenever i want uh, because they're not involving a lot of developer features um and because i need to backward support ios 14 anyway um i'm generally avoiding doing things that are iOS 15 only, um, because you know having two different code bases would just be annoying. Like I'm just using my old the way I did search before. Even though in iOS 15 there's a better Swift UI search interface, it's like well my old iOS 14 one way works. It's not as good, but it works, and so I'll just keep supporting that in the future. Uh, but it's a bit of a strange feeling, and yeah, 
it's it's uh, I guess it's it's the brave new world of being a slightly sl- um, sort of more cautious developer, having dealing with an app that has a sort of a wider a wider audience and a wider net that I need to take care of, make sure I'm taken care of. We are brought to you by Instabug. Building mobile apps presents some challenges: bugs, crashes, performance issues. These can be a nightmare for developers. What if you could not only detect all of those issues, but also understand the quality of your app from your user's point of view? Instabug's lightweight SDK grabs all the insights you need to build quality apps through comprehensive bug and crash reports, performance monitoring, and real-time user feedback all in one SDK. With Instabug, you can continuously monitor and measure the performance of your app as perceived by your users, engage with your users by letting them report issues and questions right from inside the app, and you get all the information you need about bugs, crashes, and other issues, and fix those in record time, all with a focus on privacy and security. And you don't need to worry about the hassle of switching to a new tool. It only takes a minute to integrate Instabug into your app, and it fits right within your workflow, with support for Jira, Slack, Trello, GitHub, Zendesk, or wherever you handle your issues. Join over 25,000 top mobile developers around the world who use Instabug to ship high-quality apps. Go to try.instabug.com slash radar. That's try.instabug.com slash radar. Our thanks to Instabug for their support of this show and Relay FM. But wait, there's more. <laughs> I've discovered another interesting bifurcation problem in, uh, in Widget Smith these last few weeks that I thought would be an interesting uh, topic to discuss. And that is so one of the features that uh, Widget Smith has is a way to display an image from a selected album um, in, your, in your photos. So, you know, you pick your favorites, pick a shared album, whatever it is that you'd like to do. And it just sort of cycles through pictures at random through that uh, throughout the day. Um, and it's a great feature. It's probably my, I think it's my second most widely used widget. Um, it's great. Um, unfortunately, it, the way that it had been working previously is that I would just take the picture that, you know, I would take the picture and center it in the, in the view, um, and sort of, you know, fill the space with it. And this means that sometimes you'd have, you know, awkward things where you'd be cutting people off out of the picture or, you know, focusing on their midsections rather than their faces and things because it was just centering it. And, this um is you know was unfortunate but was fine in some ways um but given one of the updates i'd done recently was you know having a face detection system in it where i try and let you for single pictures so if you choose a particular picture like you're making a, a photo a photo frame um you can automatically have it sort of zoom and pan to focus on the people who are in it because i think very often that's what people are using this for i mean certainly what i use it for is i want to you know have pictures of my kids my wife my family um and I thought, oh, well, why don't I try doing this uh, as an optional feature for the album system where it, you know, you could have it do this, uh, focusing on people automatically. It sounded great. I went ahead and sort of built this feature out. I'm sitting there testing that on my iPhone 12 mini. Um, that's my, what I've been using. It's that and a 10R are my two main, uh, development devices that I've been using. I was developing it. Everything worked great. Um, the system was performant. It's fast. It's like everything was good. Uh, I was getting ready to ship it. And so then I started doing my compatibility testing phase and started running it on my different devices. And most of them, it ran fine. And I finally get to running it on my iPhone 7. Um, suddenly the app uh, won't update at all and is showing me the evidence that the widget system is being is crashing essentially and i see this because you end up with this kind of the placeholder view um ui for your widget if you've ever sort of seen it where it's the you know all the text is been sort of almost blurred out or turned into lines it's not like a sad mac or a bomb yeah 
yeah, it's very similar to that. If, if you're a widget developer, you know this look, and it's like, oh no, something crashing. Um, um, and in this case, I was able to connect it to the to the Xcode and do do, do a bit of debugging on the device, and I was able to discover that I was uh, overrunning the memory limit. Um, but only on the iPhone 7, it turned out. It was, which was originally was strange to me because usually when I've hit memory bugs, it's they're fairly common ac- across the uh, devices. And a lot of my sits, you know, it, it is a common bug that I've run into that very often with Swift UI, especially, there's a limit to how complicated you could make your view hierarchy um, because otherwise you overrun the memory limit. And so, and I think it's, it's only 30 megs. So you get a 30 meg memory limit for your extension, which is en- enough, but is not huge by any means. Um, and so a little bit more of an investigation and digging around. And it seems like the iPhone 6S, the iPhone 7, and the iPhone 10 slash iPhone 8 and 8 Plus, um, those iPhones, essentially all of those before the, the 10R, 10S generation, um, have a diff- there's something different in them that uses dramatically more memory uh, for this face detection algorithm that's using the vision framework uh, that I, Apple provides, um, which I can only imagine is there's something in the actual system on a chip, like in the A12 or the A13 or whatever, there was a change where suddenly this operation that was having to be done, um, you know, maybe on CPU is now being able to done in the image processor, you know, directly on device. And so it doesn't need to load the image in a different way or whatever it's doing is different, which a, this is just sort of a uh, public service announcement that make sure you, you test everything on all the devices that your app supports, because you never know when you'll hit one of these. Um, it was definitely a surprise to me that I was kind of very close to, you know, submitting this update. Um, it was in the sort of the final taste phase, phase of this before I ran into it because I didn't, it didn't seem like it was anything, you know, it wasn't a performance problem. It wasn't that it was slow. It was just like this very different behavior because the underlying algorithm runs totally different on a different uh, CPU architecture. So A, make sure you test on all the devices you support if you can, because you never know when it's just going to completely be different. You know, some, some strange thing could be different. But then the other thing that I meant that was slightly uh, awkward once I realized this, and this is, I think, more relating to the other situation is dealing with, obviously, this feature is then one I can't provide to all of my users. Um, you know, if you have an iPhone XR um, or XS and better, uh, I can provide it to you. It works great. Is you know, is lovely. I've been running out of my main phone for, for a long time and I, I love it. It works exactly like I would hope that I see more pictures, you know, of my kids smiling faces rather than like weird, you know, off framed things and seeing pictures of people's midsections or things that are, you know, unflattering framings. Um, but if you have a, a, a you know, one of the older phones, um, I can't do it. It just, it just oh, there's no way that I've been able to find that I'm able to get the vision framework to run in less memory, even if I provide like a tiny version of the image, you know, if I scale it down to like 64 by 64 pixels and see if it would still run, it's like, nope, it, for whatever reason, it always goes over memory there. Um, but it's a strange thing to communicate then to my users because I'm going to like in my release notes or in my what's new section, I'm going to say, hey, there's this cool new thing, but only if you're running with these particular phones or if you, you know, dealing with the UI where now I need conditional UI based on iPhone version, not just based on iOS version. Um, and it's kind of awkward. And I still think I'm going to go ahead and go you know, sort of do the feature, but it, in a weird way, it makes me slightly inclined to 
emphasize it less obviously or potentially even like the strangest thought was in the what's new area of the app like there's a tab that just shows you what's new is like do i need to do a you know like an if conditional there and it's like what's new <laughs> is different if, if you're on an iphone uh, 10r or if you're on an iphone 7 which seems really funny and like kind of strange that if you know two two users you know one of them so you had imagined a household one of them has a 10r one of them has an iphone 7 and the 10R person's, oh, look at this cool new feature. And the other person opens it up, downloads the app, downloads the exact same version from the app store, opens it there, what's new? And it says, like, you know, it just doesn't say it. It says the other, you know, little bug fixes and performance improvements that I did in the app. Um, and it just seemed like a strange situation and one that I'm still trying to think through. But it's that one, it feels much more of like a communication question of how do I, how do I communicate this to my users in a way that doesn't cause confusion or problems uh, rather than one that is quite as sort of problematic as the first one with widget sizes. Yeah, that's <laughs> that, you're you're really hitting tough problems today. Like I say, like yeah. like I've faced, I, I have faced the um, the fear of such differences many times, um, both recently and you know throughout the past. You know, developing my audio engine, and I always think like whenever I attempt some kind of fairly sophisticated processing on the on the live audio stream, I always think, well, this this might not work so well on you know the iPhone SE or you know the, the first gen iPhone SE, uh, which is basically a success. Um, or you know, or the iPhone Seven or whatever, and and I always go back and try it, and then I'm I'm always surprised, like oh, actually, this uses like two percent CPU usage on these devices, so it's like oh, okay, that, I kind of got that one for free, um, but I'm not doing anything with like image processing, neural engine stuff like that, where that might be a different situation going on there, um, because the hardware has changed so much you know, over the over the years. Um, so I've actually only had good things <laughs> whenever I've yeah. tested on old devices. Um, so yeah, so I, I honestly can't help you much there either, <laughs> which is, is I'm doing great today. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I would say that um, I don't think people would expect, you know, if you're still using an, a really old device today, I think you are accustomed to certain new features and apps not applying to your device. You know, that's just that's just how it goes. You know, if you're using, a, you know, a, a three, four or five year old phone, that's going to be a common occurrence for you. Um, and so I don't think people would you know, you know, take offense or even think anything was wrong if you include in the release notes for everyone. Here's a new feature. And then it just doesn't work on older devices. Like, I don't think that really matters. Um, and you can even just say, like, in the description, like, you know, iPhone eight and above or whatever, whatever the, you know, the cutoff can be can be for that. Um, so, yeah, I don't think that's really a problem. Sure. And I hope that's the case. And I, and I think I, my overall impression is that I'm just going to, you know, I'll do my if defs for the device in terms of showing the option and the settings for it um, on Heidi from the older phones. And then on the newer, on but still in the what's new area, just like you're saying, say this is a new feature and just say like requiring, it's like I'm not entirely sure the, exactly how I'll say it. It's like something it requires an iPhone 10R, 10S or newer or something along those lines probably. Um, rather and just sort of that's probably better than saying it's like doesn't work on and then like a list of all the phones that it doesn't work on. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, yeah, you want to say say positive things, not negative things. Yeah, and so like there's this great new feature and it works on these, you know, this, and it's it, the nice thing is it, it seems like it's 25, uh, it's only about 25% of phones that it won't work on um, is based on my stats as far as I can tell and I suspect as we're about to, you know, come into September, October timeline, that's going to go down even more because, you know, either 
more people are going to be updating. Uh, older phones are going to be like the most, in some ways, the most likely ones to be replaced. Um, I would say this fall, just in terms of you imagine the person who's running an iPhone 6s or an iPhone 7 seems much more likely to be waiting for you know a new phone or potentially you know going to not even if even if they're not getting an iPhone 13, uh, if they go if they're just going to you know a 10R or they're you know getting a hand me down or things like you would imagine it's the time of year that that's going to sort of get a lot better. So in some ways, the, the both of my problems will get better with time. Uh, but it was just a bit of a strange week when I had these two situations where suddenly there's these strange splits that I'm having to navigate but, you know, between my user bases where, um, like, and I just don't like it. I, I, it just feels weird and I, I want to try and simplify things as much as I can. And so it's like, on the one hand, for the first D feature with iPhone sizes, it's like, well, I just won't implement it right away. Um, and I think for this feature, it's like, I'll implement it right away and just, you know, hide it from, you know, just turn it off when on, on some devices and turn it um, on on others and not worry about it too much. Like I thought about if there's other ways that I could go around doing this and trying to, you know, get around the memory limit and work really hard and creatively. And I did a little bit of that, but ultimately spending too much time worrying about minority and especially diminishing minorities of users, I think I'm sort of coming around to the realization that um, that's it's okay to be to have them have a less of a rich experience as long as their experience is reasonable, appropriate, good. But um, I need to, you know, it's like focusing on the 99 rather than the one in this case, I think um, is makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And, and the bigger your app is that you're dealing with and your case pretty big, um, the more that effect should play into your decision making because, you know, the more people are, are affected, basically. Yeah. And I think the, it's like the, the stakes of getting it wrong, he feels so much higher. And I think, um, that that caution is you know appropriate here in a way that if I was for a lot of my smaller apps from years gone by and it's like if I do something and it affects ten percent of people and that ten percent of people is actually just like ten people it's not a big deal um, in quite the same way um, so that's yeah it's 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 a it's a it's a brave new world of a quiet update coming into you know looking down into September and I'll have minor updates probably um, for the first time I think in. <laughs> 12 years, 13 years. Like, I'll have so few updates that things are getting better, but at a very slow pace. <sighs> Mr. Day One is gone. <laughs> I know. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll talk to you in two weeks. Bye.